Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. I'm Aaron Klein. And I'm Ansel Birch, your host in post. And it's time to party. We are not doctors and we don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. This episode was recorded October 11th of 2020. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the last installment of our episodes about Time Bandits. It's our edutainment session. It's the lazy river of information. We're not taking a deep dive. It's just a shallow, just a little trip down a lazy river. Sometimes it's an adventure river. There's a little extra, but mostly just a lazy river of information. (laughs) Sometimes there's audio animatronics along the way. Sometimes there's a giant elephant, like, squirting water at you or something. Yep, exactly. That's that's me coming in with, like, here's the first time a prosthetic hand was invented. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Would you like to go first, Ben? (laughs) Yeah, because every time I go second, I feel utterly inadequate with information (laughs) i cannot help myself i'm doing prep and i'm just like well i have to read this paper about how prosthetics advanced from world war ii obviously and take a bunch of notes on it so i think it's just part of my personality Uh, it's great we love you for it (laughs) yeah so while watching time bandits and thinking about what technology i wanted to look into one of the most interesting pieces of the movie is the map itself and how it guides our our gang through time and space with portals right so naturally my brain made the connection of gps and i wanted to look more into that so um a gps is a system of 30 plus navigation satellites circling the earth and we know where they are because they're constantly sending out signals that are received by a receiver Uh, a lot of the times it's in your phone And the receiver calculates distance from four or more points of the satellites to figure out where you are. The most interesting thing that I found out about GPS is that this satellite-based radio navigation system owned by the United States government and operated by the United States Space Force. I mean, that makes sense. I had no idea. Really? It 100% makes sense, but I never thought like, oh... Space Force is the one who runs it and who like oversees it. And I guess it I just never thought about it mm-hmm. and it makes sense since it's in space. Yeah. But it makes sense that they have an agency that's already out there that's like, okay, we can figure this out and make maintenance stops at this if we need to, or like pull it in with an arm at the ISS, as opposed to like, let's create whole cloth a new agency that's gonna take care of these things that fly in space and uh run around our planet over and over like it does make sense that nasa's like hey we can do this it's cool (laughs) we got it guys (laughs) yeah i I think i just wasn't aware of how involved the united states military was in creating gps Mm -hmm. because uh the american gps was the first satellite navigation system to be fully deployed on a global scale Um, a bunch of other ones uh came into play with like russia and europe and stuff um, but like the U.S. one was launched for the purpose of the military and then was opened up to civilians, whereas Galileo, which is the European equivalent, was conceived purely as civilian at first. So, you know, the U.S. always doing things for war. I was going to say, I'm not super surprised that the U.S. was like, you know, we should prioritize the military. And Europe yep. is like, you know what? We should maybe prioritize people. 
who are alive and exist and need this. Like people who are like, I want to get to my grandma's house. And the U.S. is like, we definitely want to kill people in other countries. Let's figure out how to do that. Like, yeah, that's right. on brand. That's super on brand. It was around 1990 when built-in GPS started to like really blow up for consumers. In 1990, Mazda was the first ones to put GPS built in into one of their cars. So it, it's interesting. I was born in 89. So GPS was really mostly available for as long as I've been on this earth, you know? So that it's something that I you don't think of because like I use GPS so much, like I wouldn't be able to get around half the places I go to without GPS. And it's still a relatively young technology and it's still evolving. Yeah, it's I agree. I, I was born in 88. And so I, I like remember GPS not being everywhere for a little while, but like basically by the time I was in high school, like everyone had some kind of gps if you had a car that's really interesting yep. that it was mazda first too like you don't think of mazda as like the innovators of car technology yeah, right. <laughs> or at least i don't like they're, Mazda's not exactly... a, they're a fine car it's not like they're yeah. bad or anything it's just like really they were the ones that did this it wasn't like bmw or ferrari or anything <laughs> you know the ones that make race cars yeah and while i was looking up some more information about gps i fell into some clickbaity articles about practical uses for gps or weird ways to use gps and one of them was to find condoms and i'm just like i'm sorry what uh, wait what <laughs> so it drew me in with the title it was very clickbaity and it essentially just tells you where you can get free condoms so like you cool. know whatever clinics are near you or whatever brands offer you know free samples and stuff like this there's an app that will tell you you know, where it is and how close it is to your location. I kind of love that. I think it's great that they make condoms more easily accessible and hundred percent easy for people to find. It is kind of ironic that it's on an app when people who need free condoms are probably not in a great financial position to have a cell phone with an app on it. But you never yep. know. Like Phones are a lot cheaper now, so I'm not like super surprised by that. But that also seems very much like a Silicon Valley solution to a problem that doesn't actually take into account all the people who would be using it. But I like the yep idea of it i think that that's great and also that's hilarious that that's like a gps thing i guess that totally makes sense yeah like in the same way that you can use your gps to find the closest burger king you can also use it to find the nearest condom shop excellent fantastic <laughs> i fully support it there's this spot in philly on south street which is essentially like bucktown but like you know on one street um there is the store called condom kingdom that's like prominently featured on the street and it's it's a sex store you know they have a bunch of different condoms like they have displays to show you what the condoms are like and like little plaques to educate you on the different kinds of condoms there are little sperm on the ceiling it's it's cute as shit like it's been around forever i, love I it. mean like it, it was such a novelty to go down to south street when i was in high school to like pick out you know knock off t-shirts and then go to condom kingdom and fool around with their displays and shit but really they were teaching people about you know safe sex and things that people should actually know about absolutely fucking 100 percent. anything that i love a fun sex shop because it encourages people to actually interact with the things in there and not feel so like awkward and like i'm doing a yeah. dirty thing by going in a sex shop it's like no you're like educating yeah. yourself and you're learning how to right. treat yourself and your body better like fucking fantastic yeah highly support sex shops don't have to be the windowless buildings by an airport anymore yeah exactly it's not just those weird adult stores like if you want to go to that fine by me 
more power to you. But it's also very easy yeah. to walk into a woman-owned sex shop and have a great experience. It's like looking for fine wine, you know? Ask someone who works at the sex shop and be like, hey, so what brand is good? Right, like, <laughs> this is what I'm looking for, or I have no idea what I'm looking for, and they can help you. Like, it's the best. It's yeah. great. More places need to be like uh, Blockbuster, you know? <laughs> You know what? I agree, except for the blockbusters mostly closed everywhere. Other than that well, part. Yeah. I agree. Apply that business model to sex shops and then we're good. There you go. We have a million dollar idea here, Ben. There we go. That's going to be our next endeavor. Oh, fair, fair. We're, oh, we're not yeah. doing rentals. No, that's fair. No. Cool. So, Erin, what are you going to edutain us about today? I'm going to edutain you, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about prosthetics, because there were two prosthetic hands in Time Bandits, and I was like, I have to know more. I must know more about prosthetic hands. So, the first one that we see in the movie is Napoleon's uh, gold hand. So, before prosthetic hands became more like what we know them today, where there there are a couple of different kinds, which I'll get into later, uh, they were made from iron almost exclusively and they first started out uh the first prosthetic hand was in 77 ad the pliny the elder wrote about marcus segirius s-e-r-g-i-u-s losing his hand in a battle and having it like immediately replaced with an iron hand but the thing about those is that they're you had to be able to ha- you had to have some part of your hand left in order to control the way that the iron ones worked so that you could like hold a lance or like a bow and arrow or whatever and so those existed for a super super fucking long time they were iron they were long they fit all the way onto your arm like prosthetic limbs were basically only given to people like Marcus Segarius where you're in battle and you've lost a part of your limb like they're kind of the only people who lose limbs really at this point too. And so it makes sense that they're the ones who are like provided with some kind of alternative. So that goes on fucking forever. So let me tell you first about the three different kinds of modern hands or prosthetics. They can go anywhere from partial hands with your fingers or all the way up to your shoulder now. So there are tons of different kinds of prosthetics specifically talking about the arm ones. Obviously there are lots of other kinds for the rest of your body as well. So there's three different kinds. So there's a passive function, which is a model with no movement. Those are the ones that like, if you're missing a couple fingers, they'll put like a, uh, it's a metal skeleton with silicone like uh, skin over the top of it. So they basically just exist as a cosmetic function. It's more like, or if you lose your hand and you're like, you know what, honestly, not interested in using my hand anymore. You can just throw a fake hand on there. That's fine by me. An example of a, an example of the iron hand, like I was talking about earlier, is the character from Game of Thrones, Jamie, who has the gold hand. I think gold hands are super weird. Napoleon had one too. Gold is not a great metal for a prosthetic hand because it's a soft metal. And so if it gets super hot, it will start to deform. And so that's part of the reason they were made out of iron is because it's very durable. It can get very hot. It can take a lot of damage and like it won't heat up from your own body heat to the point where like a gold hand could and become kind of deformed. So it's a mark of wealth to have a gold hand, not just because it costs a lot of fucking money, but also because you actually need quite a lot of maintenance for a gold hand as well. So it was interesting to me that that existed and was like a thing that was semi-popular, but again, only with rich people. Uh, another example of a passive function model, if you watch the X-Files, there's a character called Crycheck who gets his arm cut off at one point and he has a passive hand model, which you only see him use to like dunk a tea bag into a cup at one point. And you're like, well, that hand definitely does not work and is also modeled very weirdly to just be able to use teacups. But 
that's an example of a passive hand model. The second one. So it's just modeled like this, like. Yes, it's not with a pinky out, but it just looks like this. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like this weird, like little claw that he just like sticks a tea bag in and then like lowers it into his tea. It's very strange. Oh. <laughs> it's like not explained why it's shaped like that either. But that would be an example of like passive function because it doesn't actually move. It's just a right. designed like, oh, I can stick something into the fingers and hold it, but it's not like multifunctional, like a body powered one is that's the second kind that's kind i did not know this when you wear a body powered one that's not so body powered ones mean that you can like move your hands you can like open and close them but you can't articulate your fingers so your fingers don't move individually but your hands can like pick things up you can use your hands in more than just a passive cosmetic function the way that you wear those is that it has a harness that you strap to your torso and it reads from you won't be able to see this when you're listening but it reads from your part of your shoulder where like your middle finger is here and then up at the top by your collarbone are your other fingers and that harness harnesses the electrical power that your nerves fire off and then that's how those hands work the body powered ones which is fascinating i I'll get into dates when some of this stuff was created. A lot of this came technology came way earlier than you think that it did, which I found very fascinating. So the third kind that most people get now is a myoelectric hand. It's the closest thing to a replacement. It doesn't require a harness. The way that it is made is that the nerves in the rest of what is left of your limb, your stump, are wired into the prosthetic, and then those can move your fingers individually. It's not quite the same articulation as a regular hand, but that's the way that the process is moving. Like the future of prosthetic hands is being able to fully articulate your fingers individually. And also one of the things that they're working on that makes sense and I find fascinating is the future is tactile feedback in a prosthetic so that you can feel the amount of pressure that you're applying and you can feel your hand opening and closing from inside of your nerves. So you ba- it would be like you had your hand replaced, basically. And there was a trial prosthetic at Arizona State University really recently that created a prosthetic that allowed the wearer to feel how much pressure they're having in their hands. So this is like happening. This is going to be a very, very soon step in prosthetic technology. So I found that really interesting looking it up. Here's the other thing that I found fucking fascinating. The first digitally controlled body-powered harness-worn prosthetic hand was invented in 1916 fucking way before i expected i know i was shocked it's like basically the second that they were like electricity we can figure out how to make this work like they like shoves this harness together i love that that idea it's the first time that they could control digits and so obviously because you're using a body powered one so it opens up this like whole world of prosthetics this is also right after world war one and so a lot of what drives prosthetic technology is it later becomes factory workers who lose their hands and parts of their arms in, in industrial accidents but then the other driver of that are veterans and people who lose their limbs in battle again as we talked about elder the pliny pliny the elder talking about marcus scarius is the way that when you are injured in battle they want to shove you back out there military complex (laughs) shove people back out even when they're hurt so i find it fascinating that like so early on they were like we've got to make a way to make this easier we have to find a way either to put people back in battle or like allow them to exist in the rest of life so 1916 was the first time they had a passive function model with controllable 
fingers so that they can move but weren't fully controlled. 1919, three years later, was when the first harness and externally controlled one. Way earlier than I was expecting. Yep. Like, it's super, super early. Again, post-World War One, right before World War Two, And then 19, the next time there's like a big jump in prosthetic technology is 1945 when the creation of the U.S. Committee for Prosthetic Research. This is obviously right around the time that World War II is wrapping up. There's a lot of veterans who are coming back injured who need prosthetic limbs. And so the United States created this commission so that they could basically kind of NASA for prosthetics. Like that was the whole idea is that you want to create technology that's usable on a big scale. And the way to do that is to invest government funding into that kind of stuff. And so I thought it was really fascinating that our government cared enough (laughs) to create a prosthetic research committee and like is still a thing that gets money from the government. And then again, way earlier than I was expecting, 1948 was the first myoelectric hand, which is nuts. Like 1948, they were already fusing together nerves to create individually digitally controlled prosthetic hands. Like I think of prosthetics as something very new that seemed like it's very contemporary. And then yet in this research, I found like, this is a thing. Obviously, when people lose hands, they don't want to not have hands anymore. And so it makes sense that, like, since this has been a problem, humans are like, literally, how do we solve this as soon as possible? We cannot be have, running around with people with no hands. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's the thing you get paid the most for disability, too. If you lose, like, your thumb on your dominant hand in an industrial accident, you make fucking way more money than any other part of your body because it's functionally it's taken away a huge part of what you can do with your hands and also it'll be very expensive to create a prosthetic that functions in the way that a thumb does like if you lose a pinky and a ring finger like those are easier to put for example like a passive function model on but if you lose your thumb like you need that and that's something that they like really push the development of the technology so the next step is called TMR. It's targeted motor reintegration. And the idea is that they take these nerves that they've bound together with the prosthetics, the myoelectric ones, and they make it so that your nerves basically start to function again. And it wants to press forward in the technology in a way that they want to create electric skin and so that you basically replace your hand only you're a cyborg and you get like a fancy metal hand but it functions almost the same and so in 2004 this was the first time they tried a tmr prosthetic and it's one of those things that like it's been 16 years and in the next 16 years this will become a staple of prosthetics because this is what people want they want to be able to functionally replace their hands there have been hand transplants but most of the time, your body rejects it. They, the skin graft doesn't work, or the organs inside of your body are like, nah, <laughs> I don't want this fake hand. Get this fuck out of here. There are a couple of people that have survived for like decades with hand transplants. And there, there's been one case of a double hand transplant that still was working when I checked on it while we were doing research. But it's not honestly a thing people do very often. And I... Honestly, if I lost a hand, I wouldn't want to try a hand transplant either. I would want a robot hand. I feel like even if I have to wait for the technology to upgrade, it's going to upgrade and I'm going to have a better hand as opposed to like, well, I have this skin hand, but it might fall off in like two years. Like, I'm not interested in that. Give me a fucking robot hand. And that's my lazy river of entertainment about prosthetics. (laughs) Again, I took two full pages of notes. Holy crap. (laughs) I just found it so interesting. We say lazy river, and I think people are thinking, like, it's a small world, right? With, like, fun facts in each room as the boat's going, right? 
and then that's pretty much what happens when I'm talking. <laughs> and then when Aaron's talking, it's like it's like Here's the haunted mansion. Lesson. Yes, it's very yeah, intricate. It's like, Everything's connected. Yeah, there's a bunch of shit going on left <laughs> and right. Like <laughs> Yes. It's I really like doing the edutainment sections because I find technology and the uh integration of technology into our contemporary lives really fascinating and like I was shocked by how early prosthetics came about. Like, I was yeah, not crazy. expecting that. So, yeah, I love a semi-deep dive, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 1919. I know! That's, that's fucking wild. Like, can you imagine the weird-ass harnesses that they were wearing in 1919 with the prosthetic hand? I bet they were weird! Everything in 1919 <laughs> was weird. Super weird. Yeah. Huh. Okay, Ben. If you could have a prosthetic limb that could give you a super exciting ability... What would it be, and what ability would you want? Oh man, uh, my my instinct was to say like Inspector Gadget has the the phone in his hand, but my phone can go to my ear pods now, mm -hmm. so you don't have to like hold it up. Exactly, it's not as cool as it was when I was a kid. So I mean, who grappling hook hand? Ooh. Like. <laughs> That would be that would be very impractical for everyday use, but but when you I got to like... use it, it would be so exciting. Exactly. <laughs> or you just start using it every day. You're like, you know what? I'm done with this conversation. Scoop, and you just grapple hook Whoop. your way away. Like, bye guys. You just take off. <laughs> I'm into I would that. Be, I would be screwed in like the Midwest where there aren't like a ton of big cities that I can just like grapple away from. You know, like. What does Spider-Man do in the middle of nowhere, like in Kansas, when he can't web-sling from buildings, you know? Web-slings to telephone poles, I guess? So I think the most practical example, or I mean the most practical, like, usage I can think of is, like, have a, a, a multi-purpose, like, a blender, I guess, or like a stand mixer, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I suck at cooking, but, like, still, if I had this attachment, you know, I could, like, whip up eggs real nice and... Okay. Make a cake or something. These are really practical ideas, despite one of them involving a grappling hook. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. I like the idea of having like a gadget-like hand that can help you cook. What would you pick? My instinct is that I would... I don't know how you have a prosthetic back, but I would love to have a back that turns into a jetpack. That would be pretty fucking cool. Prosthetic spine? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that would work. <laughs> Although my, my next instinct is that I would want prosthetic eyes that function like a computer. That Ooh. you could like, I mean, they would obviously link into your brain and you'd be able to see, but the kind of like the idea of Google Glass, except not shitty, where you can just like pull up information yeah. in front of your eyes, like that's really appealing to me, especially as somebody who wears glasses and has terrible fucking eyesight. Like the idea of being able to replace my eyes with something prosthetic that just functions in like a cybernetic way, I think is would be really cool. It wouldn't have like a specific you... function like yours, but it would be like, I just want to access information quickly. Sure. No, that, that's a good use of prosthetics, I think. Mm -hmm. Would one of your functions be x-ray vision? I don't know. I don't think so. I That's not the... Th like I said, I think I would mostly want it just to access information. I wouldn't want it to actually be like a uh, an active thing that my prosthetics do that other people can see. I would want it to be an yeah. internalized thing that like is specific to my body having been upgraded in a way that's useful to me. Right. Yeah, like X-ray vision's kind of weird now, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's always been kind of weird, but 
It's very invasive. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't need that. That doesn't seem necessary. Why are you doing that, Superman? I need to see inside this building. Like, okay, but that's several feet away, and there are a lot of people in between you and this building, and that seems suspicious. Did Superman have a super perverted phase when he was a teenager? 100%. Like, he had to have, right? Like, yeah, he's like, I'm mad at you, Mom and Dad. I'm going to go look through this wall into this gym locker room. Okay, Clark, whatever you want. Porky's would have been a lot different if Clark Kent right. was the star. Clark Kent's like, listen, guys, I got this. Just drill a Glory little hole. Holes. Yeah, exactly. Forget that. He's <laughs> like, I'll just drill a little hole with my eyes. And I can see through it. Everything's fine. Uh, oh, Superman. All yeah. right, everyone. Thank you for joining us on our Lazy River of Edutainment. Once again, a successful <laughs> ride around the Lazy River. A, a yep. great time. Absolutely. And while you dry off from this dip into information, oh my God. <laughs> uh, you can join the conversation with the hashtag time to party. That's the number two. You can follow me on Instagram at NYD Urngency. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at BSilverio20. You can find me on Twitter at Indecisionist and on Instagram at The Indecisionist. This has been an Indecisionist production. Special thanks to April Moralba for our podcast art and to Marlon Longid of Marlon and the Shakes for our amazing theme song. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We hope that you enjoyed this dive into Time Bandits. If you are watching it again, awesome. If you're like me and you watched it for the first time, congratulations. I hope that you at least enjoyed the last hour. (laughs) It was good. It's a good movie. I'm being an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) So until next time, uh, party on, dudes. Be excellent to each other. Oh yeah. Why do I keep saying party on first? I don't know. I like <laughs> it though. We're we're just throwing them out there. Upward <laughs> and onward. I don't know. <laughs>